Have you ever heard of an ID10T error? Yes? Maybe? No? All right. If you haven't heard of it, let's go ahead and write it down. You're going to write down ID, the number 10, and then T. Okay? Do you see it? Yeah. I had an ID10T error this week. Don't know what I did, but towards the middle of the conversation for about 10 minutes, I turned off my recording entirely. So the conversation is going with Lindsay and our guest, and you hear points where they're interacting with me, but you don't hear me. When you get to that part, maybe assume I said something really smart or wise. Okay, yeah, fine. I probably said something that was very smart alecky. But it's a good conversation. It's still worth keeping that segment of this podcast in there because our guest says some really great things, and you can see that we're interacting on resurrection, Pharisees, Sadducees, what some of those differences are, and I want to leave that in there, because I think it's important to where the whole of this conversation goes. But you'll get it. You'll see. Without any more of me talking to Yins, I also want to say one last thing of thank you. You guys are incredible in support and love, and Lindsay and I love each and every one of you, and we're thankful for your input, your say, your interaction, your ears and thoughts on this podcast. You guys are great. You're living out life with us, so thank you. All right. Welcome to the 42 Podcast. Welcome to the 42 Podcast, where we discuss life together, looking for answers to life, the universe, and, well, everything else. Here are your hosts, Rob and Lindsay. <laughs> that was the best one yet I think we've ever had. The best clapping. <laughs> for sure. Lindsay. I don't need, I, I heard, like, a cup fall, and I could not tell what was clapping and what wasn't clapping. I'm not sure. What just happened? I, but I, I hope good I made luck. It. Good luck sinking. You, you know this is staying in the beginning of the episode. By the way, that strange voice we'll introduce in a moment. But good morning, Lindsay. Hello. How you doing, Rob? <laughs> oh, it's a Friday morning. We should not do this on Fridays. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I'm doing well. So yeah, okay. It's been crazy. How's life? Yeah. More car trouble. I've heard a little bit. More car trouble, shuffling kids around. Kids are upset because they're three or two or however old they are. It's just been nuts here. For some reason, they're... Do you do... So you have four kids. So mm-hmm. I'm asking for my childhood and then my own failure with two kids. Do you do the thing where you're yelling at a child and you just start throwing names out? You don't know which child you're trying to get. Not even the right gender. Yeah, not even the right gender. And I and pronouns, it's not political. I just can't tell. I cannot tell a he from a her. I have no idea who I'm talking to. You, yes. the one in trouble. Miles, Evelyn, yeah. Mike. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I even say Emma. That's my sister. So. <laughs> See, now I feel bad because sometimes I start throwing the, the pet names in. Yeah, that's probably worse. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, yeah, most definitely. But yeah, growing up with four kids, it was always I would get all the sibling names, or they would get all the sibling names until it was no uh, you, the one in trouble. Mm-hmm. So okay, yep. But 
Deep breaths. Uh, randomness aside, yeah. yes. We've got a good discussion this morning. We do. As he has been requested to be introduced, some random guy we picked up off of the street for this morning, our <laughs> uh, our guest, Dr. Philip Wood. <laughs> so, Dr. Phil. Yep. My, my friend, he's the pastor at the church at which I go to. <laughs> good guy, good friend. Uh, we've known each other for 10-ish years now, which is crazy, because uh, Toby's turning 10 this September, so it's been a long time. A long time! <laughs> no. This is the point where I jump yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, just go ahead. Yeah, this is the point. <laughs> Sorry, you, know you were welcome before. to jump in earlier. We just hadn't named you yet. Yeah. Oh, so. okay. Hey, everybody. Thank you for, for having me. They, they, they found me on the street somewhere and said, hey... Come do a podcast with this us. guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this guy. Oh, no, and I also call my kids by all of their names, middle names, you know, <laughs> all that good stuff. He, she, it, you, get over here. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Well, I will say this, at least from my experience growing up, when the middle name was thrown in, there was never any mix-up on which child, and it was normally, <laughs> I'm an inch from death. So, yeah. Anyway. Go ahead, Lindsay. You want to introduce what yeah, we're doing? Yeah, well, a couple of weeks ago, I I had been reading this book called Sophie's World, which is a really interesting book about philosophy, and it's basically a textbook. And um, a textbook with novels sort of, like, slipped in there real subtly. It was, it was a great book. I, I definitely want to read it again. But um, I was sitting in church one day, and I had a question, and I was chatting with Phil about it. And it turned into like, hey, actually, this would make a really good podcast episode. So thus, today's episode, our out of routine tripartite <laughs> format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't know how fast we want to jump in here, but do you just want to jump in? Just jump in before any of my children interrupt me. So, okay, well, here's my question. And how did Hellenistic philosophy influence the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament? And were there ideas that Jesus and Paul understood about the world and their religion that differed from the way the Old Testament authors understood the world? And how does that inform how we should read the Bible? And, our, and uh, okay, I'll stop there because I have so many more questions on top of those questions. That's a nice quick Jeopardy ant question. Right? Yes, yes, so, simple, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So do we want to jump right in? Or? Yeah, sure. It, yeah, because this, this isn't something I do, so I, <laughs> I'm letting you guys lead this one. We usually ramble um, for like 15 minutes, but... <laughs> oh, okay. We can do that, too. I, I mean, you know... Yeah, we're being a little more efficient than normal. We, we have no idea how much time we have, really, with oh, my okay. children being the time bombs that they are today. But, well, I've got way that, too many notes here, so where exactly do you want to start? Do you want to start in the New Testament, or do you want to go back to the Old Testament and talk about that a little bit? Well, I, what do you think, Rob? Because I, I would interject that... If we argue that the New Testament is built on the Old Testament, we should probably go and talk about the Old Testament building up to how the foundations came together. Ooh, sorry. You okay. The cat was coming into the basement. I was chasing her out. <laughs> how old are your kids, Rob? 
Uh, my kids are 12 and 10. They're at school. It was the my daughter's cat was oh, okay. coming down here. I don't need to be trying to find a cat in what is the mess of my basement. <laughs> so I was chasing her out. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, my, my kids are my kids are at home. They're a little younger. Well, actually, just one's a little younger. Um, and they're all sick, so let's keep them in prayer. But um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, not not fun, not fun. But yeah, I, I think I think old starting in the Old Testament might be the way to go because it, it's not like Hellenism. And maybe we should define Hellenism. Yes. Is this is this audience gonna? We don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what the the. It, uh, it'll be a mix. You'll get some who do and some who don't. But Hellenism, in and of itself, is entirely unique. Because it was a different way of conquering the known world, which mm-hmm. was a fascinating thing for kind of that transition in history. But mm. that, I'm going to stop there before I get into it. <laughs> yeah, it's make the world Greek. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it was, you know, conquer through peace treaty, but also conquer through war if needed, and then moving in the culture right mm-hmm. behind, not taking the other cultures and bringing them to you. You brought the culture right behind you, which was, I mean, it's even how we do war today, if you will, because that's what we tried to do for how many years in Afghanistan. Sure. And and, and it's not like Hellenism has gone away. You know, I, I would say that, that our, our world, other than, other than Judaism, our world is most affected by uh, Greek and Roman culture. And, and Roman culture is directly affected by Greek. I mean, the Romans basically just stole all the Greek gods, renamed them, and said, hey, that works. So Roman and Greek culture aren't that all that different. And, I mean, if you think about even what's in your house right now, I mean, how many of you guys have Ajax in your house? You know, How many of you guys go to a mobile station with the Pegasus at it? Yeah, yeah. You know. There's there's a uh, hundred different things that you know. Uh, July, anybody ever been in July before? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have a, we have a Julian calendar. You know, all of these things are either Greek or Roman. So we are still extremely Hellenized, even though we're not you know running around speaking Greek and worshiping Apollo. You know. Yeah. Well, but even then, our sciences use a lot of the Greek words and Greek oh, yeah. formatting. Oh yeah. Uh, it was a really neat thing where when I was doing where I had finished Greek 1 and Greek 2, and I was reading something else that was, was like a popular science or a popular mechanics article, and they threw in a few of the Greek terms, and I just, reading through it, I it was like, oh, I know those words. Yeah. Uh, and it flowed pretty naturally, but it, it's even our sciences still use these elements of classification and naming going back into original Greek with things. So, yeah, I mean, where, where does Elon Musk want to take us? Yeah. Uh, he well, it depends Mars. on which project. Yeah. Well, Mars, or he wants to stick a computer chip into the back of our head and direct stream <laughs> yeah. Twitter. Well, if you're the Republic, it's Greek culture either way. So, uh, and, and, and um, just interesting thought is we're talking about science, and it's the natural philosophers. They were all Greek, yeah. correct? Or or directly influenced by the Greeks, one of the right? Because you don't really have. I mean, in the book I I read. Uh, there weren't any Roman philosophers. <laughs> they were all well, Greek philosophers or, you know. Well, Cicero. Okay, know. Cicero. I, I don't think they talked about him, oddly. Yeah. Um, so, but our science is derived from the natural philosophers who sort of came first, right? Like the pre-Socratics were yeah, all yeah. natural, talking about science and how to approach science, which is really interesting because. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading this book and it says there's about a 30-year period in Greece 
where you get, you know, Aristotle, Plato, and Socrates, and you get some of the greatest innovation in history, even, even if the mechanics aren't worked out. You basically have understanding of, of nuclear physics. You have understanding of, of you know, things that yeah. the only person afterwards that really came up with any of this stuff was da Vinci. Um, you basically had three da Vinci's running around for a while. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and it's all in this 30 years of Athens, which is amazing. So, you know, I, so, so Greek culture. Oh, I'm sorry. 300 years before Christ? Like, how long before Christ are we talking with the natural? Uh, um, let me see. Um, Plato, what, Plato 3, he wrote the Republican 375. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, so cool. I was sort of kind of just about there. I'm, I'm pulling that out of the but air that right sounds... now, so what? could be wrong. Yeah, because you've got Xerxes invading Greek in like the 450s, don't yeah. you? Oh, jeez. Yeah, so right. then the rise of the philosophers Well, a little, little before after. that. little before that. Well, yeah. Okay. And, and then you've got, then you've got, um, after Xerxes, there was Philip, right? And then... The Philip of Macedon we're Yeah, and about? then Philip's son, Alexander, and then he ruled, and mm-hmm. then you've got his, he dies... And the kingdom's broken up, and that's, is that, oh wait, so Alexander, that would have been, um, Aristotle. Aristotle was Alexander's, um, full, uh, counselor person, right? That was then, wasn't I, it? I think, I uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think. So then. <laughs> it's been. Interesting. Been a little while. All right, just a quick diversion, FYI. I got screenshots of everyone as we're starting to build up to this discussion. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I, I apologize up front, then. <laughs> it's good. We all look like we're thinking, except for yeah, me. I got, I got my ugly blue here. light glasses on. I got my, my daughter's <laughs> headphones I, on. I think you look quite the part. I, I'm telling you, the the, the <laughs> Fortnite, they, they're, you're rocking yeah. them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They're trying to get me to play now, and I'm just... Oof. Oof. Yeah. I'm like, I, I tapped out after Halo. I'm like, uh... I'm the old man. I would like to now take a brief break and just say I love you. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? I, after Halo, I did do the Arkham games. Those those are pretty good. But... Uh, I tapped out after, like, the third one. But yeah, yeah, I didn't do the fourth one because you had to buy a new system, so... But, no, I, yeah, Halo's something that my son and I still play. We're watching the TV series. Eventually, Lindsay and I are going to talk about that because... I, I got to the third episode and um, just wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. When I, he's pulling I'm, the thing out of his back, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not thrilled, but we're still watching. We're still hanging in there. I love the first episode. Yeah. Well, and that one feels like Halo, and yes. then they just divert everything. In no, but all right. Anyway, all of those aside, <laughs> back to Hellenism. So let me just clarify. I did say like five minutes ago, like we're going to Mars. Mars is Greek. Mars is actually the the Roman name for Ares. But the point is, the Romans took the Greek. They anyway. Yeah, they took the same system of polytheistic yeah. worship and just put their names on it. And yeah. Built so, their own temples. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the Jews now. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think you need, to, you need to go back to to the Old Testament, and you know, first we need to understand that it, it's not like the Old Testament is devoid of Greek culture. You have loan words sneaking in all over the place towards the end of Scripture. I was looking it up today. Uh, the Book of Joel, which 
most people don't, but I consider it the final book of the Old Testament. Most people argue it's Malachi, but uh, Joel is has has at least one or two Greek loan words there. I know Daniel has a bunch, yeah. um, and then you're just getting interaction with with the with the Greek culture, with the Hellenistic culture, uh, by the end of uh, of that period. Aristophanes is that the guy who was uh, who um, went into the temple and sacrificed a pig on it? Aristophanes or something? What's his name? Um, oh, 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 an Antiochus. Antiochus. Antiochus Epiphanes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. Was that the that a Greek guy. guy? Was that Greek? Oh, yeah, yeah. So he oh, okay. was... So that was like Maccabean stuff. Or right before. Oh, yeah. And and if I'm... If I'm well, that's... Speaking, sorry. Well, I was going to say, that's who the Maccabeans were revolting against. Yeah. Was the Greeks. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, after... And if I'm accidentally taking over at any point, just, just you nope. know... Nope. Give me a thumbs down or something. Throw me the lions in the Colosseum. Well, that's very Roman. We're going with the Greek influence. Ah, I keep know. going back and forth. Sorry. <laughs> it's turning into a Sunday sermon, huh? Um, Obscure reference to, to Gladiator. Anyway. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a great movie. What was it saying? Is, um, train of thought. Train of thought. <laughs> uh, Greeks, Maccabees, and Joel. Oh, the, oh yeah. 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 So, you know, that's all written after after Scripture, but that would have been... That would have been part of the literature that the New Testament would be looking at, and that was all written in Greek. And yeah, Antiochus, he is a descendant of of the Seleucid kings, who was one of the generals that divided Alexander's kingdom. And so he he takes Hellenism to the to the extreme level where it's not just, hey, we'll present you with our culture and make it worthwhile to you. You you either become Greek or you die. We're gonna crucify you if you you know, circumcise your children, or you speak Hebrew or Aramaic at the time, and um, and he's actually a, this is way off topic, but he's actually sort of a type of antichrist uh, in the Book of Daniel. So hmm. interesting, interesting thing. But I, I think we got to look at you know what what's the the first language the Hebrew scriptures are translated into? It's in Greek. It's the the Septuagint, and so you get all these Greek influences within the later books. You get the Septuagint. Popping in, so so there's already Hellenization going on by the end of, of the Old Testament, and then certainly during the intertestamental period, you're having the the Hebrews who are already really not speaking Hebrew. Whoa. They're already speaking Aramaic. Yeah, yeah, mind blow. Um, uh, they're already speaking a different language. They're already been influenced by Babylonian culture, and so they're they're Aramaic speakers now transitioning to becoming both Aramaic and Greek speakers. So. Which is kind do of we have an Old Testament in Hebrew? Yeah, well, we have we have we do chunks. Of okay, it. but not the whole thing. So, so we but the we don't have like an entire copy in in Hebrew. It's like chunks in Hebrew and chunks in Greek. I, I think we I think we do. We we have. I'm not a manuscript guy, but we have a ton of manuscripts. And then when we found the the um, uh, recently the Dead Sea Scrolls, we got a lot more. Yeah, the Dead Sea the Dead Sea Scrolls still are a huge treasure trove. Cause oh was my it? goodness! Six months ago, eight months ago, they found something else that was phenomenal that I'm entirely blanking on. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I don't remember. I'd, I'd have to go look that up. Yeah, so we have everything in Hebrew. We actually have some of it in Aramaic as well. We have the the Targums. I'm mispronouncing that. Um, but well. And part of all of that is because they were a people in exile. So you're dealing with, you're dealing with, like you highlighted, the Babylonian exiles. You're dealing with those who are still in Jerusalem, who are 
speaking more Hebrew. You're dealing with the incoming Greek. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to write, you're going to write to your audiences, and here are your three prime audiences yeah. that you get. So were there ideas then, Hebrew ideas, that didn't translate well into Greek? Like, did the Greeks believe in the immortality of the soul? and Or did the Jews? Like, I think that's a really big deal, isn't it? Like, Yeah, so I think, are we talking about... So are we are we in the New Testament now? Are we talking well, about like, like, like Old Testament, but but because if if so, Old Testament for sure. However, if the Old Testament is translated, or if the translation we have is Greek, how does that change? Well, we have both. Okay, so so both. let's just take Hebrew. Is in Hebrew in Jewish culture, ancient Jewish culture, or or uh, Arabic, Semitic cultures did they believe in the immortal soul well I, I think they would define soul differently than than what the Greeks would no, so and we talked a little bit about this on Sunday a couple Sundays ago there's two different viewpoints on this yeah. and and my viewpoint is that uh, a lot of times what's happening with the New Testament writers is they're writing in Greek but they're using Hebrew concepts but they're not, they're not throwing away the Greek concepts. I mean, the, the best example of this is in John 1. In John 1, you have the Logos, yeah. uh, the Word, which, you know, by the way, anybody reading the English translation of, of John 1, you know, without some background is going to be sort of like, okay, what's up with this Word? Yeah, yeah. But the, the Logos, and, and Rob, feel free to jump in, but the Logos is this is this concept you can't fit into a word. It's this, you know, you need a paragraph to understand what the Logos is in, in Greek philosophy. And so, you know, it was, to sum it up, and Rob, please jump in if you get any thoughts on this, but it's it's this idea of the bridge between between God and man, and that bridge is, is wisdom and understanding, and it, it's, it's the word. Um, and so John takes that concept of Logos and he doesn't throw away the, the Hellenistic meaning, but he also Ooh. sort of combines it with the Hebrew meaning. I thought it kind of meant that, like, we have ideas for things, like yeah. we have objects in the real world, and then we have this, like, this idea of the thing, this perfect idea of mm-hmm. the thing behind it. So that's kind of what I thought, that's kind of what I thought the, I, the logos was, like, the pure idea of... Like, like, how do we know a horse is a horse? Because we've got this idea of, course, of, of a horse. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, like, so... I, so, no? That's not... Well, I, I think I think that's that's the Platonic idea. Um, but that's... With what you're bringing up, though, and, and I, I think, so, you know, jump at me if I get this a little messed up, but what you're looking at, Lindsay, the answer is in John 1, where it's... John is defining what is the word, what is God, and how that all works back, tying it into the early Jewish Jewish thought on creation, philosophy, and bringing it to the modern day of, look, here's the foundation, it doesn't go away, it's, it's a part of what all of this is, and using the Greek philosophies and thoughts on word and, well, logos, and how that ties into what he is then crafting, not crafting, that's never the right word, but <laughs> showing in the gospel, mm. how he's bringing that narrative forward and tying it to Christ. 
I think that's kind of the answer you're looking for. Yeah, in the beginning was the word, like the main idea, the main concept behind which everything well, is built and based. So let's let's if you don't mind, let's let's take what the Hebrews thought about the word. Let's take what the Greeks thought about the word and let's let's look at what yes. John was actually saying. Yes. So so you have and John is pulling directly from this, and this is why I believe it's not either or, it's it's really a both and right. situation. Right. Is you're going back to Genesis chapter one and and God creates through the word. He speaks. And, and you have sort of this early Trinitarian formula even in... We won't get into that, but um, you have God... <laughs> please, <laughs> please. Genesis 1-2 is my favorite because... I love Genesis. Let's yeah, throw Genesis a monkey 1. wrench into it. Yeah, that's, that's for another day. Well, if you, it's your show, so... The Spirit of the Lord hovered over the surface of the deep. Wait, what? Where'd he come from? <laughs> Who's this? Didn't it just happen? Why, why is God talking to himself? Also, what deep? Um... <laughs> oh, well, this, we gotta this stop. Is, yeah, yeah. This, here's where the edit button comes in. <laughs> uh, so no, I so only got, try to pull out the bad stuff, but this is good. I'll try not to swear too much, but um. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's happening is, so, so John understands, and the Hebrew audience is going to understand that in the Old Testament, um, that first of all, God's word God speaking is not really uh, too differentiated from 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 God um, they would understand that the Spirit of God the fa Father God that the Word of God are all God they're all pre-creation they're all they're all God and that every time typically God does something in the Old Testament what does he do he he speaks it he speaks it out and something happens so John understands that the, the, the word in the Old Testament is God in action. So that's number one. And they also understand the Greek concept that the, the Logos is the, the, the wisdom, the bridge between God and man. And I oh. think John is just adopting the two concepts and saying, yeah, they're, they're both the same. Um, the Gr Greeks, you know, Hellenized philosophical Greeks who have moved past their, their pagan gods that have moved on to, you know, uh, you know, realism or, or Platonic ideas, you, you understand a thing about God that, that there is God, there is us, there needs to be a bridge in between. You think that's wisdom. The Old, the, the, the old Testament uh, or Hebrew, um, Hebrew speakers uh, go back and they say, well, that's God in action, and John is saying, yeah, it's both. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was God in action who, who created the universe, and in the beginning was the bridge between God and man. And you can use both of those concepts, and I think John is, hmm. and saying, "Yeah, you're both you're both right. Hmm. Neither one of you is wrong, uh, but the culmination is not in wisdom, and the culmination is not in an abstract God. The culmination is Jesus Christ. Hmm. That's how I read it. I could be wrong. Hmm. Not about the Jesus part, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think when we're talking about soul. That that's a conversation about what does soul mean to the Greeks, what does soul mean to the Hebrews, and then how is how are the New Testament writers using something like soul or spirit or body? I mean, we, we import Greek concepts, um, and this is the word I wanted to use today, when we, when we say things like, you know, we are body, soul, and spirit. We're a three-part being. That's called trichotomism or trichotomy. That's a completely Greek concept that you wouldn't find in the Old Testament. 
And so there, there's, there's a real big debate among theology nerds. Are we three-part beings, two-part beings, or are we beings that are so holistically put together you really can't separate them, you know? But these are all, this, this is a Greek conversation. This is a conversation that, that the Hebrews would even be having, I think, in the Old Testament days. Did the Hebrews believe that when they died, they had, what did they believe happened to them after they died? Well, it depends on which, which Hebrews we're talking about. I think the further you get along in Scripture, I mean, certainly by the time you get to Isaiah and Daniel, they, they firmly believe in a resurrection. They firmly believe there's life after death. But you even go further back, and um, the, way, the way Christ interprets uh, some of what Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are saying is that even after death, there's still life. Um, uh, and there's a whole conversation about this in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, which I, I love that book. We should have a podcast for Ecclesiastes. Um, and, it, and it seems to say, ha, huh, we don't know, but God is good, so we're just going to trust him. That's sort of the end. Like, we just don't know. But I, I think as the New Testament unfolds, we're getting closer and closer to what we have today and understand today is going to be eternal life and resurrection. Yeah, so I think what Rob is, is, is queuing in on, which is absolutely true, is by the time you get to the New Testament, you do not have a unified system within Judaism of this is what's going to happen. You have the Pharisees, which are very, for lack of a better term, evangelical. You have the Sadducees, for lack of a better, better term, are, are sort of almost deistic. Uh, then you've got the Essenes, you've, you've got you know the Zealots who have a different philosophy that's sort of been lost over time and then you have these Christians running around you know so you don't have a unified understanding you do have the Pharisees and the Sadducees sort of in league with each other for, for political reasons but even Paul pins them against each other at points in time uh, when he when he's on trial he purposely says well I'm a Pharisee I'm on your side I believe in the resurrection now not defining what that means but allowing the Pharisees and Sadducees to sort of bite each other's heads off and mm. And uh, you can't ever say that that Paul wasn't bright, you know. Mm. I love Paul. He's he is he is wonderfully manipulative, and what I mean is that he'll do it, and then he'll tell you, "Yeah, I was manipulating you, but it was for your good." I mean, look look at Philemon. I know we're jumping all over the place, but. Yeah. Hey, 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 you're going to take back this slave that ran away, and if he owes you anything, uh, it's on me. But, you know, you do owe me your very lives, so how about that? <laughs> and by the way, he's going to take it back as a brother and not as a slave, because we're getting rid of that pretty soon. So mm. That's the implication. Yeah.
Well, I know that Calvin worked everything out, so I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm talking about Calvin and Hobbes, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Bill Waterson. I, I took a mean shot there. That was my apologies. So. But, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Me and Wesley are bros. So, um, yeah, so I, going back, I guess, to the original question, uh, just trying to reframe that, I, I think if we ask how, how the New Testament was affected by Hellenism, I, I mean, even the most obvious things of it was written in Greek, uh, two of at, least, at least two of the four Gospels, John's debatable, written to the Greeks, to the Romans, um, I mean, you even have the use of names in the New Testament that, that sort of depart from their Hebrew origins. Uh, Saul is being called Paul. Uh, uh, James is not being called Jacob. Uh, Jesus is not being called Yeshua. He's being called Jesus. Um, one of the disciples is named Philip. So, so there's just some really obvious that the Greek culture has infiltrated, and, and, and it doesn't seem like anybody is upset or wondering about that. It just is what it is. Um, you know, so, and, and then you get, you know, the use of Hellenistic texts. Um, you have at least, I actually looked it up, at least one, two, three, four uses of Hellenistic texts in the New Testament. And then you have maybe two more where you're having uh, Paul one, two, three, four times using um, a Greek philosopher or a Greek play. And then you have uh, Jude um, using Enoch, which you can argue, well, no, that, that, that's, that's intertestamental literature, but it's heavily Greek-influenced, and it was written in Greek. Hmm. And then you get that, that 1 Corinthians 6.13 thing, which we don't know what to make heads or tails of, but we got to assume it's a quote from someone. What's that? So, what is that? Oh, uh, 1 Corinthians 6.13? Mm -hmm. Hey, Lindsay, real quick, uh, what time do you have on your recording? 34. Shoot. I haven't been recording for about 10 minutes. Awesome. All right. I'll just put a note in their post and figure that out. Should we restart or? Nope. <laughs> we're just going to own that for what it is and whatever I said had we'll no wisdom. So, so while, while we're with that. probably going to be taking this section out, again, if I'm, if I'm talking too much. You're not. You're not at all. No, no, yeah. no. Go for it. Yep. So I don't want to take over or anything. Um, going back to, to the uh, conversation, 1 Corinthians 6.13 uh, well, back to 12, it says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and stomach is meant for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So you have, you have looks like him quoting two different sources. And, and it was always strange when I heard that preached when we didn't realize or people didn't realize it was probably a quote because it sort of goes against itself as, as it continues. It's like, here's two different arguments, pick one. 
Yeah, um, weird. But it looks like he's definitely quoting some proverb or saying in Corinth at the time that we don't have. That's weird. So yeah, so you get the use of... It, it's a little strange. Hmm. But you get the use of Hellenistic texts, and then you get the use of uh, Platonic ideas. Um, everybody read The Republic? Yeah. Hmm. Bits and pieces. I've not finished it oh, in entirety. you got to read The Republic. Um, it, it, it's well worth it because it's it's... It's it's wonderful if you understand philosophy and uh, and there is some communism towards the end, which is interesting. So, proto communism, but uh, you know Hebrews chapter seven and eight is almost certainly influenced by by the Republic by Platonic ideas. I kind of love that. Um, have, That's amazing. Oh, I love it too. Yeah, it's cool. And again, it's not like it's not like the author of Hebrews is saying, "Oh, I have this brand new idea that that you know that that Plato got some things right." And, uh, no, he's just, he's simply taking what he already has from Hebrew scripture and saying, oh, these things rhyme. Like, this fits together. The, these are both true, and they come together in Christ or in, in Melchizedek, um, in that whole Melchizedek passage, where, where it basically says that Melchizedek is, or the uh, the Aaronic priesthood is a shadow of, of what's actually. It's not the real, it's the shadow. Mm-hmm. And that, that's all Platonic. And so yes, oh my gosh, that is so. I have never thought of that before. Wow, you just blew my mind. (laughs) The shadow, the the shadow, the cave. Oh, yeah. Wow, that just changed the Bible for me. That's exciting. Well, again, all truth (laughs) is God's truth. So if you find truth in Plato, and I love Plato. Plato is awesome. And people say, well, Plato wasn't a Christian. Yeah, yeah, but Plato is coming out of paganism, and he's getting closer and closer to the real God. Does he arrive there? It doesn't look like it, but, but you know, moving from I have 3,000 gods or 300 gods to I have this concept of there is one creative God, even, even if he's deistic in my mind, I've just moved much closer to the biblical God. And so um, the author of Hebrews, which... We can argue about who that is. I think maybe it's Luke writing for Paul. We don't know. Um, he's taking, it looks like he's taking these concepts and saying in Hebrews 8, 1 to 5, and Hebrews 7, that, you know, this real versus shadow thing explains why you have things in the Old Testament that that had a, a place in time, but as we moved into the new, they were replaced by the real. They, they, were, they were placeholders. So the Iraq priesthood is, or the Levitical priesthood, excuse me, is a placeholder for what we actually needed, which was which was Christ, who was represented by Melchizedek and not by Aaron. That is pretty cool, and it's in, it's yeah, it's so. comforting to me that God can use whoever and whatever the heck He wants, and then He can call it Holy Scripture. That's cool. Why not? Why not? Ah, oh, that's why not use a donkey. Yeah, well, that's crazy. And it is His creation. <laughs> sure. That's crazy, but that to me, it's like we say. We kind of spookify the Bible and make it this, like... The truth is out there. Yeah. And um, every single... we Like, I've had this picture of, like, this holy vessel being, like, imparted with the word of God. Here, write this down. Yeah, you know? that's a very fundamentalist approach. And I'm not knocking my fundamentalist Hi. Friends, but <laughs> Hello. Yeah, you, yeah, I'm not a fundamentalist. I, I am... I am you know, and I think you know this, Lindsay. I am, you know, a biblical. I hope. I hope I am uh, a biblical 
uh, evangelical, whatever whatever label you want to put on. I mean, I believe the Bible's God's word, but I'm not I'm not somebody that that's trying to put like, hey, this how this is how it has to be because my 21st century American Western right. concept of inspiration, you know, <laughs> has to has to come from this 18th century guy that could barely speak English. Um, <laughs> you can figure out who that is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, inspiration works the way Scripture says inspiration works. I mean, you know, you get multiple authors of books and people freak out and you go, well, it says in Scripture, you know, Proverbs is written by like 10 different people. It was brought together by an editor and people freak out because that's not how the Bible is supposed to be written. That's what Proverbs tells us how it came together. So am I going to say the Bible's not true, to say the Bible is true, to say that inspiration works the way I want it to work? And if you... Try to make sense of all if that. If you... Let's take... <laughs> Oh, that's so interesting because this is just, if you, let's take, pretend the Bible is like a painting on a wall. What part of the painting is inspired by God? All of it. So if I like, so that's. What I'm just saying is it can be inspired by God in different ways and different forms. And what does inspired mean, actually? What does inspired mean? Inspired doesn't oh mean goodness. authored. It means inspired. Well, I, I think ultimately the Holy Spirit is the author, but he's using different colors. See, to do the, the painting analogy further, a painting doesn't have one color, right? It doesn't have one texture. The painting comes in through multiple colors, multiple textures. I'm not a painting guy myself, but, you know, the, the painting has different layers to it. And, and to look at, you know, one painting and say it all has to be layered and colored the same way... I, I I don't think that's helpful. Right, and and just just curious, does the Bible use the word inspired? Yes. Yeah, so, oh, Second Timothy. I mean, if we're talking about the Bible, we probably should look at it. I suppose. Second Timothy, three. This is the go-to text. Yeah. Uh, where are we? All Scripture. This is verse sixteen. Is breathed out. By God, so breath, pneuma, spirit from the Holy Spirit is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Hmm. So that, that that's probably the number one proof text right there. There's, there's a several others, but in, in, so that's where we get the word inspired from, breathed out by God. Interesting. So I don't know. I, I guess I'm just trying to comfort myself here about some hang-ups I've had about the Bible, like you said, with the fundamental stuff. But breathed in. Oh, inspire. Inspire. That's why we get that, because inspire, yeah. like inspiration, breath, that sort of Greek yeah. thing. But remember, again, we're not going to use – I know we're not really on topic right now, but we're not going to use – all scripture the same way. I mean, my life verse is probably not going to come out of Leviticus, you know? Thank God. Take the animal, take it by its <laughs> neck, bleed it out, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and the Bible does record things like lying. You know, the, the king goes to Jeremiah, hey, my officials are going to come tomorrow. I need you to say I didn't come and see you. So what happens the next day? The officials come and they say, that, hey, Jeremiah, you're down in this pit. You're down in the sewer system. Um, did the king come and see you? And I'm probably getting the story a little wrong. And Jeremiah's like, nope. Well, the Bible records that, mm-hmm. right? So we have to balance out what the genre is. We have to balance out what's happening in the text. So, yeah, yeah. You know, even Paul says, hey, this part's from God, this part's from me. What do we do with that? You know, I, I think we just we take the Bible as it presents itself. Yes. 
And I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to put rules on the Bible, but I'm trying to let Scripture and the Holy Spirit guide me in how to use the text. And this is, this is not me trying to jettison any particular thing I don't like. I, I'm, I'm with C.S. Lewis. There are things in the Bible that I wish weren't there. But at the end of the day, I, I bow to God. God doesn't bow to me. And so I say yes and amen, but I also understand that, again, there's different genres at play. I'm going right. to read some of what's happening in the Psalms differently than I'm going to read something in, in you know, Romans, you know? Yeah. I don't know if that helps. No, it not, does. It, it does. It's very interesting to me. I, I... What's up, Rob? What's, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> now the context context is key. I mean, he he's hitting it where it's, you know, looking at who, when, where, and how each thing is written and understanding that, yeah, you, you know, Leviticus, a book of law, is not going to have the same effect as uh, Romans. It's important. It's there, and it's there for a purpose. It's just understanding the context. Yeah, yeah inspired. My life versus how many sheep Issachar had, you know? Yeah. Inspired by God isn't the same as God. It is inspired by God. Like, I have, we have the breath of God in us technically, right? That's what makes us divine, but that doesn't make me God. It just means God gave me life. It's not the same thing. Well. Is that the same? No, it's not the same. I I feel like we're just, we're hitting a lot of stuff. (laughs) We're hitting a lot of stuff. As per usual. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, God gives us life, right? Um, God breathes into us life. That's what that is trying to say. I, I don't, I don't think we're we're born with the Holy Spirit inside of us. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to draw a parallel to because that word inspiration, like how. So ultimately, my viewpoint is that what we have, what we call Scripture, came from God. Ultimately, just using personality, people, means, and methods that are different. And if we sort of just put our common sense hats on, we, we can decipher there's a difference between poetry and between dialogue and between, you know, um, letters, epistles, uh, apocalyptic. We, 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 can, we, can, we have different sort of rules for reading these things and the rules I don't think are are that hard to come by unless we, we come in with our own rules. Is this making sense? We come in with our own rules and we sort of input them into scripture and say, well, we have to read all scripture like right, this. Right. So I, I believe, you know, I, I'm again very evangelical in my beliefs about what scripture is. I believe it's inspired. Um, I, I don't believe it's going to lead us down the wrong wrong path um i believe it's true mm-hmm. but again i'm not going to read an imprecatory psalm about you know lord I, I had a problem with joe last week you know go bash his head in i'm not going to read that the same way i'm going to read you know in romans chapter three that you know christ was propitiation for my sin i'm gonna read those very differently mm-hmm. they're both from god but they both have different reasons why they're in there one's instructive and, and one is an emotional response that tells me I can be emotional with God and it's okay. I can be truthful with God. But what I'm learning from the imprecatory psalm is not that God's going to bash everybody's head in. It's it's that I can be truthful with God and, and it's okay. It's probably helpful. He's he's my counselor. Whereas in Romans, 
the propitiation of Christ, Christ being our propitiation, is really important to my basic underlying theology. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making a ton of sense right now. But let me ask you, Lindsay, because you keep you, you've kind of come back to inspired a couple times. So, well, where's your hang up with this? What's where's your I guess I'm at? just I'm always trying to come back to a spot where I can be comfortable with genocide in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of where it's always in the back of my mind is how to coalesce those things with the New Testament and Jesus and why is that in the Bible? What was the point of it? And I guess this makes it more understandable that these ancient texts are written at a certain time, certain place for certain people with certain biases. And it doesn't necessarily mean that every single word happened exactly like you said about the lying. So it just gives me a little wiggle room in my head and in my heart <laughs> that it's possible that it didn't happen exactly that way, that maybe it was political partially or some kind of explanation. So I know this seems way off topic, but in the back of my head, that's kind of where I'm always going. <laughs> where I know. We, we've had this conversation. Trying to coalesce. You, you, know where I, you know where I stand on this. We, we've had this conversation. Yeah. And, and I'm not exactly, again, there are things, as Lewis said, there are things in the Bible I'm uncomfortable with yeah. that I, I, I do not even have a great grasp on, but I'm going to submit them to Christ. I'm going to say, and this is my act of faith, um, that until I understand them the way I'm supposed to, I, I'm not going to let them interrupt, take me away from divest my faith in Christ. And again, we can, we can talk more about the genocide stuff if you want later, but at the end of the day, whatever was happening in the Hebrew Scriptures, by the time we get to the New Testament, we have a fully developed understanding of how we treat our neighbors, how we treat our enemies. And it's pretty clear that the the morality and ethic of Jesus is that we, we love our neighbor and we pray for those who persecute us. I mean, do you mind if I get more off topic, Rob? Is, is that okay? Or uh, honestly, I'm I'm flying the wall. I'm enjoying this. From so, yeah. God help us right now. But I, I preached out of Deuteronomy <laughs> uh, two years ago, and um, what I did is I, I took the most um, yucky, uh, <laughs> yucky thing, and and that was that was the um, that was when. All right, all right. Yeah. Can can we get clarity on that? Let's. <laughs> Can I ask which text in Deuteronomy? I, I don't have it off the top of my head. I, I have Hellenism on this paper. I, I, have I notes think it was it was the one where the parents can stone their child for being disobedient. Can stone the kid. Yeah, yeah. it was that yeah. one. So okay, okay. So you got to understand in, in the ancient patriarchal Middle Eastern world, the patriarch can get wasted, and and I can't hear myself with these things. The patriarch can get wasted, and if he gets mad at a random family member, they're going to take him out back and kill him because that's the, the role of the patriarch. So you got to understand the culture that that the Jews, Hebrews, excuse me, Jews is, is a future term for them, that, that the Hebrews are in of ultimate patriarchal culture, ultimate, what's that term we use these days? Talk about all sorts of things. Um, toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. right? Oh. Yeah, I don't love that term, but they, they had it back then, spades. And so what, what does Scripture do? The Scripture go and, and show up to a bunch of people that don't understand a New Testament ethic and go, hey, we're going to be in the New Testament right now. 
It wouldn't have made sense to them. They couldn't have handled it. And so you, what I think you have is you have a bridge law. You have a, a, a law that bridges people from, from their culture, the Middle Eastern culture of, of heavy uh, uh, patriarchal whatever, to a Jesus-centered culture. And so you get this law, and it says, yeah, okay, the patriarch is allowed to go stone his kid for being a problem, whatever. But then, if you actually read the law, there's like four or five sort of little addendums to it. So, like, mom has to be okay with it. And you have... Just to toss this in, because yeah. I'm a completionist in some ways. It's Deuteronomy 21, 18 to 21. Yep. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones." You shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. That's perfect. That's perfect. So uh, what I'm hearing in there is is six addendums. Number one, um, he has to be he has to be stubborn, rebellious. Okay, so there has to be a reason. It can't be well. I got drunk and he looked at me funny. Number two is they have to warn him. Okay. Number three is mom has to be involved. So. How, how many moms out there are going to be like, oh, yeah, dad came to me today. He wants to stone my kid. Yeah, I'm all on board for that. Number three, they, four, they have to take him to the elders of the city. That's a trial. Number five, the elders have to find him stubborn and rebellious. So what's, what's happening, I believe, in the passage is that instead of just saying this whole patriarchal apocryphal system has to go right now, that God is speaking into the culture and saying, I'm going to give you your patriarchal culture, but I put all these addendums in here that when they are followed, and they're not always followed, but when they are followed, what ends up happening here is you have a, a judicial process that ends up, if the kid deserves to get stoned for a good, good reason, whatever that means, he gets stoned. But if the kid doesn't deserve to get stoned, dad just can't get drunk or, or whatever and stone him. And so what you have here is you have absolutely, as far as I can, I have found, no instances where this law was followed through to the fifth level and the kid was actually stoned. The closest thing you have is Absalom, where dad doesn't even want him dead, but, but basically, um, was it Joab? Joab says, no, 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 this kid's rebellious and stubborn, we're going to spear Plus him. he was an adult. Um, he really was an adult. Yeah, so in the patriarchal system, it wouldn't matter if you're a kid or adult. But yeah, I mean, Absalom pretty much deserve this. Uh, so what I'm saying here is in the Old Testament, you have rules and laws and situations that are because of where they're coming from. And, and they're bridging them to a better place. I, mean, I don't think slavery is God's intention either, but he allows for it in the Old Testament. And then he puts like 30 addendums on there. But by the time they're done, it's really not what we consider slavery today. And then by the time you get to the New Testament, you get the book of Philemon, taken back as a brother, not as a, a servant or a slave. And then, of course, historically, we have a pretty, pretty sort of well-attested to thing that Philemon probably eventually becomes the bishop of Ephesus after, after the first century. Which is amazing because he's a slave. Yeah. So, so by the time you get to the New Testament, 
you know, how do you handle children? Well, don't, don't lead them to anger. You don't take them out and stone him. You're doing things in your part to make sure that your family unit is, is working. Well, and, and I want to, I don't know, maybe draw this to a conclusion sure. in a way in New Testament and get your thought on it. But if you take what is in Deuteronomy 21 and you kind of connect that and say, where is there anything like this in New Testament? What about Matthew 18, 15 to 20? Uh, if your brother sins against you, go and tell his fault between yep. you and him alone. If he listens to you, how, you've gained a brother. But if he doesn't, uh, does not listen, take another yep. or two along and so on. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it plays out where it's accountability the whole way to rebuild the relationship and to get through all those five steps in Deuteronomy 21. I mean, at what point is someone going to go, hold up, wait a minute. Can, can we rewind this? Can yeah. I help you? Yeah. Can I work with you, your kid, and maybe we don't need to stone him? Yeah, like your, your, but, your kid looked at you funny. Really? This is why you're coming here? <laughs> And, and you're never right. going to get mom involved. You're never going to get mom on board. And that's right. the but point. But then, you know, yeah. extrapolating then into New Testament where it's a completion yeah. of, okay, we're not stoning people anymore. Oh. The better thing is to restore and rebuild relationships, which is what we're trying for. And we can use that language now because we understand a restoration is coming. Yeah, absolutely. And the point I was I was trying to make for, for, for Lindsay, again, I don't know if this is helpful, is that every time I found a text in the Old Testament that really, really bothers me, the more I think about it and compare it to where we're going in the New Testament, it begins to make much more sense why this is here. And, and just because we haven't found why those texts, the, the few texts, not a lot, those few texts in the Torah uh, seem to allow for genocide, doesn't mean that we won't understand them in the future or in turn that they won't make sense. Yeah. I don't know if that helps it, or not. But again, you know, even talking donkeys, which throw me off, when you actually study the scripture, they make a lot more sense the more you look into them. And the fact that <laughs> God, like we say, God said and God did these things. He, like, did these laws that made sense. But he used specific people in a specific time he never, Absolutely. like, drops, like, a bomb and says something completely out of context, completely, like, hey, guys, no slaves. He never, he doesn't yeah, say that. Yeah. And. Let me ask you a question. When, when you came to Christ, okay, yeah. did, did, like, God hand you a list of everything you were doing wrong? No. Or did he kind of work with you over but, time? And my, and my point isn't negative. My point is positive for yeah. the Bible that. Of yeah. course, the Bible is going to say what it says and doesn't go beyond what we think it like. OK, sorry. I don't know how to explain that, but you can't take people from A to Z if they have been through B, C, D and E. It's an ancient text. It's an ancient text. Yeah. And they yeah. they only have the context that they are living in. So, yeah. And if it's inspired by God, that means he used an individual with a context in that place and setting, he can't talk about things he doesn't know about. He can't be revolutionary. I completely agree. You know, he's... Completely so, agree. And that's the same in the New Testament. And it calls to question some things, uh, possibly. It just makes wiggle room for some things that, like, well... See, every time you then say wiggle room, I get real nervous about where we're going. Well, so. to me, the wiggle room <laughs> is the fact that, like, God told people to kill a lot of people like god did that sure did he though it, are we sure it was are we sure that's the part that like well maybe maybe but who wrote that like i don't know that's the part 
you know, in some of the Old Testament stuff that we're like, no, that didn't mean that. Like the tattoos and things that we don't really ascribe to so much anymore. Well, why? Because our culture's like cool with it now. Well, we're cool with not having. Again, I, something like a tattoo, we're not actually translating that really well. I mean, if you want to go get a brand in the name of a pagan god, I'm going to probably talk to you about that. And that's you know? it too. But if you want to get, yeah. a, if you want to get, you know, some coloration on your arm that says "I love Colby," yeah, knock yourself out. I don't care. Yeah. That's different than, you know, getting your skin brand in the name of Zeus or something, you know? <laughs> I'd be much classier uh, than Zeus. I'm going to fight you on that one. <laughs> I, Sorry, I've always read that and understood that as it's, you know, don't don't mark yourself for the dead. Don't be living just in the past or marking for something that's not alive. That's how I've always read okay. that. I'm not. I'm not exactly read up on that right now. I say that, and I've only got two small tattoos, and so eh, whatever. Uh, I got the only thing I got is some scars on my back right now. So, <laughs> but um, I keep wanting to finish the one on my chest. I haven't done that yet. You know, the one tattoo that I would have considered getting. I'm, I'm not a tattoo guy. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm just not a piercing guy. I'm not that guy. I'm really, really dull. Felt a baby. <laughs> Is I, I do nothing. like the, I do like the idea and um, and um, I think what does Becky have it where uh, her wedding yeah. ring is tattooed on? Yeah. Um, oh, you got that too. Yeah, that's cool. You got that. I think that's awesome. See, that's the kind of thing. Now Samantha didn't want to do that, and I wasn't I wasn't really keen on you know getting needles in me. But if she wanted to do that, I, I think that's pretty neat. I before I started into youth ministry, I worked cutting trees down yeah. uh, when my wife and I got married and i almost ripped my my finger Ooh. off getting it stuck in a ladder and slipping trying to get it out yeah so that was one of those things where it's yeah no this this makes sense especially if i ever work with my hands now i will say this one of the most excruciating pains in my life <laughs> was getting the side work done on the finger i i was definitely looking at the tattoo artist saying hold me and my wife was la laughing the whole time well, so yeah but i I like it. I need to get it touched up. So that that that's the one I'd consider doing. Um, Samantha's not exactly a tattoo girl herself, so. Um. Hey, but you want to get back to Hellenism? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you I know, got a tattoo. One no, of the things I, I did want to mention too is is we do have uh, just like with Logos, we do have a lot of, and I think Lindsay started this conversation. We do have a lot of use of Greek words that are then brought back into a Hebrew concept. And uh, I think of body parts, going back to trichotomy, dichotomy, and all, all that wonderful stuff. So in the New Testament, we have, you know, uh, when we talk about body, it's soma, soul is psyche, uh, spirit is pneuma, heart is cardia, mind is nous, flesh is sarx, there's stomach. There's all, all sorts of different uses. And, and they're using these words because this is the language they're writing in. And the question is, are they adopting... Are they adopting those Greek concepts around those words, or are they importing Hebrew concepts into those words? Mm. Now, I found, I found um, in Acts chapter two, verse twenty-seven, a quote which uses the word soul, uses the word psyche, which is a quote from Psalm sixteen ten, which uses the Hebrew word for what we translate soul, which is nefesh, and that actually, you know what nefesh means is actually uh, throat. Oh, oh no! I was, I was excited. I know that one. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. So, so throat, and and you wonder, hey, why throat? Well, breath. You know, 
Well, breath, yeah, but but this is where food goes down. This is where breath comes up. You, you throw, you know, you you can lose an arm, you might live. You lose your throat, you're you're probably not going to last very right. long. Um, so so we know that in the New Testament they're using the word psyche, soul, in, in lieu of the Hebrew word nefesh, which is not always translated soul. Um, if you go back to uh, to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, which uh, Rob, Rob likes that text, I'm sure. God creates a what? Woman. Man. Man. Well, it creates a living... Being. Living being, a living nefesh, a living soul, a living creature. Huh. And so... You guys there? If you look at, if you look at the... Hello? Hello? You're back. Hello? Sorry, uh, my internet's freezing over here. We're talk. We're talking about how God created a living. Hey, we're the ones in the Nefesh. God created a living nefesh. So Genesis two seven. Yes. So, I know. I I got Genesis two seven. I smiled and then lost you guys. Oh, that's okay. So so he creates. I was not allowed to be a part of that one either. Sorry. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't miss much, but he creates this living nefesh, and sometimes it's translated creature, but that is the word for soul. So so you know you ask yourself or you ask the, the New Testament. How are you using it? Are you using it as as a Greek concept, where soul is sort of your personality, soul is 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 the essence of of your 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 almost mind. I know nous is mind. Um, or are you using it the way the Hebrews used it? And the way the Hebrews used the word soul was your whole being. You were a soul, yeah. Yeah. right? Your body is a part of your soul. Your spirit is a part of your soul. Your stomach is a part of your soul. You are a right. soul. And so, yeah. So, but 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 the Greeks wouldn't think like that. The Greeks thought of soul as something very different and something very human. Where if you keep actually reading around Genesis two seven, you find out that birds are living nefeshes, that animals are nefeshes, that that soul is just basically this word for creature, for a being. And so we ask ourselves, you know, how how are the New Testament uh, writers using this word? Psyche in the New Testament, are they using it like Nefesh was used in the Old Testament? Are they using it like Plato or Aristotle would use it? And it seems to me, if you look at Luke 12, 20, James 5, 20, um, in those two passages just in particular, they're definitely using soul as meaning Nefesh, as meaning you're just a creature. And so then to to import sort of the Greek idea of, oh, we're three-part creatures, body, soul, and spirit, that's not what a Hebrew would understand uh, the human being as. Um, the same thing with the word flesh. The word flesh is sarks, and that, that's this very pale stuff I have on me right yeah. here. With a very <laughs> little melatonin in it. Um, and is, is that the same way that the New Testament is using? I don't think so. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Flesh is certainly used as a stand-in for our sinful nature, which is a Hebrew concept, not a Greek concept. Is it? So I, I yeah, oh yeah. So I, I really believe that when, when, when the New Testament is using these, these Greek words, they're simply importing their Hebrew words into the Greek usage of them. And, and so I'm not throwing out and saying the Greeks don't offer anything to the New Testament. Again, I think this Platonic idea is in the book of Hebrews. But I think your, your, your New Testament writers are wise enough to go, okay, this is what it means over here. Here's truth from the Old Testament. And maybe here's some truth that, that we find 
today that doesn't conflict. And these things either go together, and if there's there's a lack of truth with these Greek words today, then then the Hebrew overshadows that. Um, again, I don't I don't think that that um, that Paul is going to use the word psyche the same way Aristotle would, but he's going to use the same word. So we do have a soul. So what do we do? So well, I would say <laughs> we are a soul. Okay, right. We are, we are a soul, and we have a spirit. We've been given pneuma. We've been given uh, ruach. Ruh. Can't pronounce that. Ruah. You gotta spit when you say some of these words. <laughs> okay, and that's from God. And it's like his breath. It's all from God. Well, yeah, but I mean, after you're born again or something, you have something different <laughs> than before that. You have something in addition to before you got saved. Right? Is that what you're saying? Well, I, are you talking Holy Spirit? I don't know. <laughs> asking you <laughs> yeah like when you get saved so i'm not saved and then i get saved do i have something new what is new what is born again after you know what is happening you want to take this rob you want me to uh well sorry i'm just brains <laughs> catching up from the jumps to, to we change subjects again to, but we haven't yeah. but we haven't uh, really because it because we have this Old Testament understanding of the, all these different words and these new under, this New Testament thing. So we've learned a certain set of definitions to these words, but apparently that's not accurate because the Old Testament says something different and we teach our kids stuff like, what is the truth? Like, what is happening? All right, all right. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me ask. What is the Old Testament teaching different than what the new testament is translating from what is the culture of the moment uh, so one of the best ways to do mission work isn't to go and implant your culture and then make them mold to you it's to use their culture and you mold to them Absolutely. so what we see in new testament is using the prominent culture from the past 400 years yep. Which is part of, you know, where we're at in New Testament is there's an inflection point in history. We have the Greekification and Hellenism of the world that is allowing us to then take that culture, use it to take the translation or the, the concepts, the beliefs, the history that is Old Testament, put it in a language and a concept that everyone understands with philosophy and move that backward and forward with Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does yep. that make mm -hmm. sense? So it's not changing what's in the Old Testament, it's using the culture of the moment, which is Hellenism, and the language of Hellenism, and sometimes we lose things in translation, mm -hmm. but the premise and the heart hasn't changed, we're just using different words, So what I would, and we're using the culture. I, I would absolutely agree with everything Rob just said. Our problem, I think, is that we have these Greek concepts in our culture. Our culture is Western. Our culture is influenced by the Greeks so much that we, we actually take our culture and put it into Scripture. That's the problem we're having. Whereas Scripture is based on an Eastern mindset, uh, an ancient mindset, a non-Greek mindset that's adopting some of these Greek words for its own benefit for us and for people back then. Okay. So, you know, I, I don't think if someone believes something differently about soul and spirit and body than I do if they're a trichotomist or a dichotomist or or have a holistic view of these things I don't I don't think it affects their salvation in any way um, this is mostly Bible nerd stuff but okay <laughs> I, I do I do think there, there could be some some negative implications 
if you think like the Greeks do, like the Hellenists do, that the body doesn't matter, the body is bad. Okay. Um, and therefore, what really matters is the soul. And that is an epidemic in the church of, well, I can do these, these immoral things, but it's just my body. It's my, it's my spirit that really counts. Whereas in the Hebrew mindset, you're one, hey, there's my buddy. Are you guys Hi. watching TV still? No? What are you doing? I'll be down in a little bit, okay? And then we can go outside and play. Or you can go change. Go change and go outside and play. Or you'll get to be quiet, okay? Um, She's awesome. <laughs> he says you're awesome. That so, weird guy from church keeps talking. Is it fair to say no. that our Western understanding is that, and correct me if, if, we're, if I'm wrong, but our Western understanding is that there is still a separation between the body and the spirit, especially with the ideas and concepts that we have of heaven. But the end goal will be the resurrection, a new body, a new the whole put together and new. Western and we sometimes gla- glaze over that. Yeah, West, Westerners like to make boxes. We love our boxes. We have a body, we have a spirit. These are two separate things. We have secular, we have spiritual. These are two separate things. Hebrews didn't understand things that way at all. Everything was connected. Everything was spiritual. Everything, you know, the use of the word soul, the use of the word spirit, the use of the word uh, body in, 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 in the Hebrew concept, they, they, were, they were so interconnected, I believe. So, so how does that change and, and how we read the Bible? Like, what, what am I doing wrong? What am I thinking wrong? Because that would help. What am I... What? <laughs> Can, can I toss one more idea out here that may answer where your sure. head's at? With everything we have in scriptures, the end result is that Revelations comes, and Revelation is the intention to restore the whole of creation, the unity that was heaven and earth, pr- bringing perfection back, bringing effectively what was the garden mm-hmm. back. And it's that that is the end goal that we miss because it's not just separation. Oh, I will be in heaven for eternity, but I will be with God for eternity and he will remake heaven and earth. And and this is as I've read revelations and understand it, that it's that remaking It'll yeah. be a new heaven, a new earth. And in that we will be restored body and spirit or however that restoration looks like. Absolutely. End result. Absolutely. And I, I think our, our problem is not as easy as we simply need to understand this better and all of a sudden we'll stop doing this or start doing this. I, th- I think it's a lot more subtle than that, that we have a lot of these Western ideas that are not good or bad, but if they're influencing how we read Scripture, then the application sometimes from that Scripture takes some weird, some weird exactly. turns. and. It's in those weird turns that you can't be... It's one of those things you really don't know it until you see it. But, um, again, here's what I do see often. Um, This idea of of escaping the world and going to heaven. Okay, yes, thank you. Actually, it's heaven that comes down to earth. Right. Christ remakes the earth. Um, You know, and Rob was getting at this. This idea of we go to heaven and we're some sort of disembodied, angelic thing with a halo and a harp, which is in our culture. I don't think many Christians actually believe this, but I know a lot of people sort of in in orbit of the church sort of believe these things. 
these really aren't New Testament concepts. I think there's one mention of like harps in, you know, in, in Revelation, which is very poetic. I don't see any halos, at least not that I'm aware of. But this idea that we escape from our bodies, that, that's a Greek concept. Right. Um, we're looking at, so sometimes I hear people talk about going to heaven. It sounds a lot more like the plains of, um, what's <laughs> Elysium, the plains of Elysium than it sounds like what Jesus is bringing. Um, and, and so it's not so much like someone can have a, a, a kind of a, a weird concept of heaven and, and be doing horrible things. It's more like they have lots of weird concepts and it begins to affect their life overall and, and they become, making too much noise something oh she's i love what her expression I... she has your expression <laughs> you were doing this thing with your, your hand and she was doing it at the same time a minute ago it was so cute she's my buddy but okay there's uh the abraham in the bosom thing abraham's bosom and there's jesus oh. how he says uh <laughs> lazarus too oh wait that's the same spot um that's the same and spot. then there's a it's spot a where too. well that's good to know i wish he would have said that in the bible uh and then where's that other spot? Jesus it's says, wide. you'll be with me in today in paradise. And then where's the other one? I was just thinking absent with the body, present with the Lord. But you can see why people get this idea that when you die, boop, you're somewhere else. You go somewhere else. Well, but we're not we're not denying that. But that's an intermediate state. That isn't the eternal state. We, we, we're saying is there's a thing we're waiting for. We're not just waiting to be a dis. First of all, we're not a disembodied spirit, right? Uh, there's substance to us. But second of all, that's that's not the end result. The end result is not escape. The end result is Jesus comes and brings the kingdom. It's about the kingdom coming. We're going to be resurrected. I mean, I always was freaked out about heaven because it's so different from this world until I realized that I'm getting this body back. It's just, it's just not going to need, like, junk taken off of me because, you know, I got to check for cancer anymore. I'm not going to have bad eyes anymore. I'm going to be what I was always meant to be. Doesn't science kind of support what you're saying? Because we keep looking deeper and deeper and deeper into the brain at like where consciousness lies and we can't figure it out. But it makes more sense if, well, we never leave our bodies. We just sort of go to sleep for a while until Jesus comes back. So our consciousness... Well, now we're getting to soul sleep. Well, what did you just say? You just said you that. just said we're not we're intermediary. What, what are you saying then? Intermediate state. Hey, try, try it like this, Lindsay. Heaven is a temporary holding pattern. Like a layover? That's it. In LaGuardia? <laughs> That's it. Stop yep. touching my... Uh, it's paradise. It, it's the best layover you'll ever have. There's you know plenty of Cinnabon and coffee, and you're not stressed about getting to the next flight. And that's it. It's just a temporary holding pattern. <laughs> because the end result... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's youth ministry. Oh my gosh. Yeah, making faces in the middle of it. But it's the end result is the resurrection. Okay. The end result isn't heaven. The end result is resurrection, which is even why, you know, like when we named the potty the, the potty cast, oh, Evelyn, you're making things so interesting today. <laughs> when we named the podcast, I even joked about, you know, the 6 and 742, the ultimate answer, it's God and man, it's resurrection. Yeah. It's new earth. And it's the veil that is between heaven and earth divided, gone, split. We're back in Eden again. And there, there, there's no yeah. separation when there was Eden. Um, you know, it, Paul Paul describes the intermediate, the intermediate state as better. 
he doesn't give us any other understanding than the word it's better. I, I'd rather be home with the Lord than in this place where I'm getting beaten up constantly and my body's falling apart. But the resurrection is the ultimate. Mm. So, you know, you know, we have songs. We have really not great songs like, you know, this world is not my home and all of that. <laughs> and, and actually, heaven's not my home. This world is going to be retaken. Um I don't know how far I want to go on that. But, I, I got to go in a minute but, anyway, because well, Steve's down there with the kids by himself. Oh. <laughs> I got to go in a minute. Has this answered any yeah, of Yeah, it's been really or? cool. It's been a really good conversation. I I would love to have you on again. <laughs> God help you. I, I, yeah, I'm a glutton for punishment. I, I enjoyed seminary. Um <laughs> But I, I'd love to have you on again and maybe not have my internet and audio issues that I had this time around. But yeah, And I've enjoyed listening, hearing, and, and interacting. So Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, if you guys want me back, I'll be back. Yeah. Talk, talk about it amongst yourselves afterwards, not in front of me. Uh, okay, I want you back. I don't I don't care what Lindsay thinks. We're having you back. She keeps going to your church, so, you know. Not my church. Well, this is the place where we can actually have a good conversation. You know, like, where else can we talk like this? <laughs> Nowhere. Nowhere. So, this is fun. This is good, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I think we, we wrap it here with the, the heaven is a temporary holding pattern. Heaven is not the end goal. And uh, we're going to have to have you on again this summer, if that's all right. Yeah, happy to. All right. Ooh, or you host an episode with him while I'm on vacation. Are we allowed to do that? We'll have to talk. I don't know if that's that... allowed. <laughs> I think... <laughs> We, I'm going on vacation. We have. <laughs> making so much noise. That's okay. <laughs> but, all right. I, this has been good. Thank you. Well, thanks for Thank having you, me. It's been Phil. fun. I got to write a sermon. I, it, fun. Yeah, have fun with that. Yeah. What are you preaching on this week? Uh, Mark chapter four. Um, uh, my head's gone blank. Um, what am I preaching? Oh, oh, the parable of the sower. There's actually like four parables back to back there. So it ends with the mustard seed. So the birds okay. coming down from Mark chapter four, which is, you know, what are those birds doing? Now, do you want to add any information about where people can find any of your past sermons, where you're at or any of that? Oh, you, or do you, you want to just you move are on? more glutton for punishment. Uh, yeah, they, uh, uh, Becky keeps a website going at keezerfallsassembly.church. Uh, there's a bunch of sermons and stuff there, and then if you want to actually uh, watch my ugly mug uh, at the Facebook page for Keezer Falls Assembly of God, we have a year's worth of uh, years worth of me yakking, and and then some other good folks like uh, like Tim and and Laura uh, and uh, Sandra and Samantha all get a chance to get up there too. So feel free to check us out, and anybody who wants to come, come on down. Thanks. Okay. It's only like a four hour drive from Pennsylvania, right? Four six hours maybe. <laughs> How far are you from? Sure, us? I think right. more than that. I'm down. <laughs> I'm down by Philly. It's about a ten-hour drive. Oh, yeah. okay. he'd well, have to really that. like your ugly mug. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not sure my boss would like it if I went away on a Sunday morning. <laughs> oh no, probably not. Probably not. But no, uh, we'll put the links in, and uh, yeah, again, thank you for joining us. This has been a good conversation. I. I appreciate not being the only one trying to field all of Lindsay's questions. <laughs> and what are we talking about, Lindsay? All of, all it, of it, right now. Yeah. 
Well, I got through. We got through most of my notes. I was actually, oh, good. Yeah. Most of them. Well, I gotta go down All there right. and see what the heck's going on with my kids. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, yeah. So thank you everyone to listening for listening. Uh, Dr. Phil's information is down in the the notes. Sorry, not, it, I'm going to be calling you Dr. Phil forever. It's funny. Phil's information is down there in the notes. Uh, yeah, so it's been a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs>